You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And I want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, or FGR. They were birthed out of the burden to help those in the community and congregations who've come out of a difficult past and addictive lifestyle. Um, I want to say that we uh, we announced the winner of our Quay Walker jersey. I'm going to say it one more time here as we get ready to move on to our next giveaway. And I'm, I'm really excited about uh, announcing that. But just want to say congratulations to Aaron Nelson of St. Paul, Minnesota. He won the autographed Quay Walker jersey. We really appreciate uh, all the donation that you made to uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Really appreciate your support. And want to thank everybody who participated um, in that uh, in that contest, you know, retweeting the tweet that we had out there, following the account, all that good stuff that gets you entered into the contest one time. We're going to do the same exact format, guys, and I'm really excited to announce this giveaway. And I've already plugged it a couple of times, but we're kind of going to officially start talking about it on the beginning of every podcast. Um, we have a home green Packers jersey, Beckett style, from pristineauction.com that's autographed by the Hall of Famer, the golden boy himself, Mr. Paul Horning. All right, so really excited to give that one away. And to enter into the contest, it's going to be the same exact format, gang. You basically go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access, and you'll see a tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. And on that tweet, you'll also see a tweet attached from Ryan talking about FGR and a link where you can donate, okay? But all you got to do is retweet that tweet that I posted. Make sure that you're following the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time. And if you want to be like Aaron Nelson and so many others, there were several people that donated. We really appreciate your support um, to uh, supporting that cause. And, and, you know, I made a donation a little while back. They sent me a, a letter and a receipt. It is a, a tax write-off, you know, because it's a, a donation. You can kind of write that off on your taxes um, for what it's worth. Um, so it is something that's official. It's an official, uh, you know, um, ministry. So it's not like something that, you know, okay, you're just throwing money into the abyss. Um, you're going to get everything you need legally to, to, to show that that is uh that is a legit organization. Um, but 
for every $5 that you donate to FGR, that's going to enter you into the contest one additional time. Okay. So for example, I'm pretty sure Aaron, I don't have the numbers in front of you. He was one of the listeners that donated multiple times. And you know, you think you want to donate to a good cause, you donate 20 bucks that gets, you know, gets you four entries into the contest, uh, an opportunity to win that Paul Hornig jersey. It's kind of worth it. You're helping out a good cause. Plus you might win a piece of memorabilia that, you know, might be worth, you know, two, 300 bucks. It just depends on what day you catch the auction going. Um, there obviously are going to be a limited supply of Paul Hornig autographs simply because, uh, unfortunately he passed away several years ago. So, um, there's no, no more of those just churning out, you know, obviously. So, um, really appreciate everybody supporting that. It's all about making a difference, and we can use this platform. Like Ryan said, he's supported so many great causes um, in the past, helping Drew get his seizure service dog and other things that that was kind of near and dear to his heart. And now it's it's awesome to be able to uh, to help support uh, FGR. So. With that being said, today's show, guys, sorry that took so long. I just want to make sure we got that announcement out there uh, and you guys know how to enter that contest. But we're going to kind of back up a little bit and we're going to talk about the 2022 rookie class for the Green Bay Packers. You know, we're we're well into the season, obviously well past the halfway mark. Uh, playoff hopes are kind of, you know, dwindling down. We, we still have a little bit of hope out there. Now, I'll just say this. We'll wrap the show up with looking at the standings just a touch, but the Packers have got to run the table. It's that simple. If they're going to make the playoffs, they've got to win every single game from here on out, period. And and I'm excited to see how much fight they got. I, I want to see who steps up and and with the season on the line. Um, you know, I think it's now confirmed uh, from Big B um, on uh, on Twitter. It's funny.Obody gave him credit for it. Um God, I wanna I wanna call out the people that tweeted the information but didn't give him credit for it. Um, reporting on the uh, the injury of Aaron Rodgers' thumb, it is indeed a broken thumb. Everything's starting to leak out now um, that he uh, he did indeed break his broke his thumb. So that's why you've seen the inaccuracies, the uh, you know the inconsistencies, if you will. It's funny because I you know I tweeted out a couple of videos earlier today of some throws he made in the Titans game. You see it every single game. He makes those Aaron Rodgers top throws. But through the course of the game, you also see him miss a couple of receivers, right? You know, whether it's a easy dink and duck pass or, you know, like like I said, throw across the middle there to Sammy Watkins. That's like watching – I'm telling you right now, man, you you jump in the conversation on that Sammy Watkins pass and it, it's like uh, dissecting the Zapruder film and, and you're a conspiracy theorist. If you don't think Sammy pulled up, if you do think Sammy pulled up, you're an Aaron Rodgers apologist and it's just like – Man, people are taking this way too serious. But um, you've seen inconsistencies. Well, like he confirmed, Aaron Rodgers' thumb is indeed broke. So what are we going to do with Aaron once we are eliminated from the playoffs, if indeed we are eliminated, right? Let's say that we come out this week and we are uh, you know, this coming week to the Eagles. You know, nobody's going to give us a chance in, in Hades to win that ball game. Let's say the Packers do come out and they lose. And let's say that, um, you know, statistically they are eliminated. I don't even know if that's possible this week, although we, I think we all would agree that if you don't win this week, you're, you're pretty much done, right? Um, but let's say that happens. I think the right move would be, okay, Aaron, listen, there's nothing left to play for this year, right? Um, I think he's coming back next year. That's just my opinion. I think that he's in a good place with the organization. Um, I think that they want him back. I've seen everything I need to see to know that he's still a top 10 quarterback, even with the bum thumb. That's what's crazy. Um, you know, if the thumb wasn't broken, it was healed. Would he be, you know, top five again? If, if he's top 10, I want him back, especially for 31 million against the cap next year. Right. 
I mean, that's just me personally. Like, if you want to make a run next year, now if you're saying this team is nowhere, you know, uh, in in a position to make a run at a, at a Super Bowl next year or a playoff uh, playoff run, anyways, to to kind of get yourself in the dance, give you you know, get your name in the hat to try to win the Super Bowl, um, then I can understand you not wanting them to come back. But if you look at this roster and you think, okay, <clears throat> we're just a couple pieces away. If we had a number one receiver, right? If we had a, a solid starting tight end that wasn't coming off ACL surgery, right? If we had one more offensive lineman to this group to kind of shore that up, what we've seen here lately, right? Um, with with the the people that we've trotted out there, we've already mentioned David Bakhtiari is going to be back at left tackle if he doesn't retire. If he does retire, we get a boatload of money and you plug Zach Tom in and you're off off and running, right? But you get Bakhtiari back at left tackle. He's he's arguably the best Packers player on the roster right now, according to PFF and how he's been playing here of lately. It's getting better every single week. The knee finally seems to be healthy. At right tackle, you're going to bring Yash Nijman back. I'm, I'm almost positive because you can uh, you can kind of make him an offer, match an offer that he gets on the market, and there's a little bit of compensation involved there. So I think he'll be back at right tackle. So you've got Bach and Yash on the edges, right? You've got Myers at center. I'm not completely sold on Myers. You know, if you have an opportunity to bring in an elite an elite level center, you still do that, in my opinion. But Myers is playing pretty solid at the same time, and he's on that rookie contract that's very valuable. At left guard, you've got Elton right now, right? But we've talked about it on the last podcast as we wrapped up. Um, do you what? At what price do you bring Elton back? You know, it's showing fair market value at fourteen million. So, do you bring him back at fourteen million? Um, what's the number? You know, I kind of asked. Ryan in the chat and a couple of the other guys, you know, what what is the number that you would bring him back for? For me, man, in the in the level that he's played at this year, although his pass blocking grade, uh, PFF-wise, Ryan did a great job outlining that on his show. Um, he had a great pass blocking game this last game. Maybe he's settling back into left guard. If that's the case, what's the price you put on it? I think $10 million per would kind of be that that base number that I'd be looking for. And, you know, it's silly to even say, you know, to pretend like the contract would be a four-year extension, ten million per, and even forty million. That's not how contracts are constructed today, and that's that's always my argument or my rebuttal when people try to say Aaron Rodgers is the fifty million dollar uh, quarterback. You can, you know, look at the allocation, the accounting aspect, you know, cash over cap of Aaron Rodgers being on the roster, and then you got the optional aspects of if he retires, how much money does it free up, and it frees up a boatload, right? But this is not an Aaron Rodgers talk. Um, Elton Jenkins, I think eight to ten million, I'm okay with. When you crack ten million, I don't want him back. Um, and and it depends on how he plays down the stretch here, too, guys. You know, that's another thing is like if he falls back off the cliff like he did the last couple of games before this last performance, then it's like, all right, man, I, I don't know if I'm willing to let's let him go test the market. That might be the best way to go. And and we've seen the Packers do that with Aaron Jones. We've seen it, seen him do it with uh with other guys, you know, across the Across the board, you know, Tunyon, I know he was a little bit different there. He was actually hurt at the time of the contract extension, but he went out and kind of tested the market a little bit as well. So um, as far as offensive line, how's that going to play out, right? I feel like you got the two most important pieces, which is left tackle and right tackle. The second most important would be um, the uh, the center position, and then you fill in at guards. But you got Zach Tom there ready to plug in the tackle if you need him. And I think you bring Yash back. So – you look at all these holes across across the board, right? And how do you want to approach it? Well, some of the big uh, deciding factors is going to be how the rookies play this year, right? And we got a pretty good sample size. That's why I wanted to kind of dive into our draft and see, okay, with the draft picks that we made um, this past year here in the 2022 NFL draft, 
who is panning out, who's playing good, who's playing bad, and, and who filled a hole or is going to fill that hole, that void next year that we feel pretty confident in. And, um, you know, who maybe didn't, and you got to kind of look to, to try to fill that void again, right? So let's just kind of jump into it here. And hopefully the sound quality is okay and it doesn't bog down. I've got a ton of windows open here, but I, I want to bring you guys a ton of information. Like I said, this is going to drop around noon central time on Sunday. We got the all the all the games pregame shows are on the on the big screen here, muted in the background. Obviously, the Packers played Thursday night. They're not playing today, so we're going to kind of watch a few games of teams that are on the cusp of getting in the playoffs. And I'm really interested in and in keying in on some of the top offensive and really the top defensive teams that are performing across the league because it's like if Joe Barry is let go, and I'm not saying he should be, I'm I'm still kind of undecided there. If he is let go, what defensive coordinator do you bring in, right? What style of defense do you want to run if the Fangio style isn't the one? Because everybody was gawking over it, you know, at the end of last year and coming into this year, and now you're going, hold up a minute, this might not be what we need, right? And, and all those arguments and those takes are, are are well said, you know. It's not like there's this, no, you guys are silly, this is exactly what we need or exactly what we don't need. Everything's still kind of unfolding. You know, on Chalk Talk there with uh, Coach Han pointing out Jair Alexander's mistakes, and then I seen later in the game, you know, I expected Rudy Ford to have a bad grade, and he had a horrible grade in that game. He he, he did definitely come back down to earth a little bit from his elite PFF grade. But I also noticed that Savage was playing a lot of strong safety deep, right? And they had Rudy Ford deep, and for whatever reason, they had uh, they had Adrian Amos playing the star position on a couple snaps. He he was in the slot there playing kind of that nickel that nickel corner position. I was like, what are we? Why did we change things up? And I know Dallas gashed us for a lot of points, but we also forced a lot of mistakes, and people seemed a little more comfortable in that approach. So do you put that on Joe Barry? I'd say you probably do. You know, he's the one who made that call. And uh, maybe they're just trying different things out because they graded the, the tape and, and didn't like what they seen, you know, although we did come away with a win and Rudy Ford had the two interceptions. And it's a perfect example, guys, that interceptions aren't everything. I mean, turnovers are great, don't get me wrong, but if you're going to make one interception a game, but the other, you know, however many snaps, 40, 50, 60 snaps that you're taking, you're making mental mistake after mental mistake. That's not, you know, that's not what you need on defense. But again, Coach Hahn pointing out the Jair Alexander mistake, that wasn't on Joe Barry. Like that defensive play call was actually pretty solid, but you had Jair trying to play hero ball. It's that simple, right? And he blew the coverage. You seen Rudy blow a coverage later on in the game, right? There were several times that you kind of seen that throughout the day. Um, you seen Keyshawn Nixon getting burnt deep in man coverage, right? Now that one could have could have been on Barry if indeed the defense was coached for um, Rudy Ford to really hug that left sideline. But to me, it kind of I was kind of like, if this is single high man, why in the world is Rudy cheating so far to the left when there's no threat there? I mean, they had receivers lined up over there, but you got to be a little more aware because that did allow uh, Tannehill to bend that ball back inside the hashes, right, on that deep shot to Traylon Burks. So when I seen that, it's like Keyshawn looks like he's playing as if he expected a safety over the top, but Rudy Ford was cheated deep uh, a little too far to the left. Now, that's just me being a fan looking at the tape and kind of going, okay, here's here's the way I see it. But like Coach Hahn pointed out, was it was bad technique and bad, uh, you know, bad uh, just bad defense by Keyshawn Nixon that he didn't play that route right. And, and I trust Coach Hahn. Coach Hahn's obviously got a, a lot of coaching experience, right? I'm not going to say, no, I, I disagree with you there. I, you know, I definitely understood his point. Um, so with that being said, he's saying that big play was Keyshawn Nixon. 
Now, the screen pass to Henry, listen, there was two different holds on that play. I'm not going to blame the defense. Quay Walker was probably going to bat that ball down before it even came out. He, he was firing anyway in the A-gap. He could read screen, probably gets his hands up, knocks that thing down. Savage probably at least slows Henry down to where it doesn't turn into a 40-plus yard play if he makes that tackle. But, of course, he got held, right? But, again, are these Joe Barry's fault? Because, according to Coach Hahn, it wasn't, right? So, I don't know about running that guy out of town. I really don't. To me, it seems like guys are making mental mistakes. Now, if the argument is that's the coach's job to get them ready, I completely understand. But, guys, Jair Alexander is making over $20 million against the cap next year. $20 million. He's a corner, right? We're not talking about quarterback, the, the highest-priced position in, in, in all of the NFL, right? We're not talking about the inflated price of wide receiver, all right? I mean, there was, there was one receiver. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Galladay on the Giants roster. It was making over $30 million against the cap. I mean, that's horrible GM, and don't get me wrong, but when you look at Jair going to be over $20 million against the cap next year, and he's making mental mistakes, and it's simply because he's not playing within the defensive scheme. I mean, I don't care how much talent you got. If you're going to go out there and say, no, nah, I'm going to do what I want to do on this play and the heck with everybody else, I'm sorry. There, there, ain't, there ain't no amount of physical or uh, uh, natural talent or an ability that's going to overshadow that. If you're, if you're not going to be one of the 11, then you're going to make that defense weak. It's that simple. So um, I don't want this to turn into a Jair Alexander bash fest, but I love the guy. I've, I've rooted for him uh, since day one, and he's been one of my favorite players. But, man, sooner or later you got to look up and see all this stuff that's happened this season, right, all the mistakes, and and he's not grading out well. PFF agrees. And then isn't that amazing? PFF agrees. And then – we get Coach Hahn on, and he goes, yep, that's Jair Alexander's mistake right there. And the players grade out horrible. He's seeing the same thing on tape that PFF's seeing, right? And it's always important to, to cross-reference. But anyway, let's get to the draft class here. So what I wanted to do is kind of go through and see how these rookies ranked across the board, okay? Like how do they how do they stack up with the rest of the draft picks throughout the entire NFL draft from 2022 class, okay? And let's start with our number one pick. It's Quay Walker. He was the uh, drafted in the first round. He was the 22nd overall pick. This one caught me off guard because I had two, I think three other linebackers graded higher than uh, than Walker, than Quay Walker. And understand, I didn't sit down and watch the tape and go, here's the grade I'm putting on him. I use a, a consensus of guys across the league that I really trust, the number one being uh, Greg Cosell. Greg Cosell is like my guy. He, I, I, it seems like every time he grades, it's very seldom do you hear him have to say, I was wrong on this guy. I, I really misevaluated him because he looks at the tape. He doesn't look at anything off the field. He simply looks at the tape, what the player is being asked. Really, the PFF approach is what he does, right? So I, I love Greg Cosell. Um, he, he was one of the reasons why Quay Walker was a little bit lower on my board, but mainly the consensus big board. It caught everybody off guard on draft night. I think we would all agree with that. But um, according to PFF, there are one, two, three, four, five linebackers from the 2022 draft class. When I say linebackers, I mean playing traditional inside linebacker, right? Dropping into coverage, that type of thing. Um, there are five of them, and Quay Walker grades out second. Now, one of the players that I had graded higher or ranked higher on my on my big board, on my horizontal board for the draft was Devin Lloyd. Another one was Christian Harris, right? Well, Malcolm Rod Rodriguez – is number one on the list for rookie linebackers. He plays for Detroit, 61.6 PFF grade. Quay Walker is second of five at 55.6. Third is Devin Lloyd at 52.9. Uh, fourth is Troy Anderson at 40.0. And listen to this, guys. Christian Harris, we've seen him sink on draft night, right? 
He kind of dropped on the board 28.8. There's a reason he dropped, right? And obviously he plays for Houston, but a 28.8 PFF grade is just insane. So Quay Walker grades out as the second best linebacker of those five. Now, Malcolm Rodriguez, if you had him on your bingo board, congratulations. I don't even remember where he was drafted, and I'm not going to take the time to look up exactly where he was drafted, but Quay Walker grading out as the second best. He graded higher than both Devin Lloyd and Christian Harris that were on my board, right? So that's – don't get me wrong, Quay is not having a great year. You don't want you don't want to see a PFF grade of fifty five point six. His run defense is where it's been the worst, and we knew he's got the physical tools to go sideline to sideline. Right? We we knew that coming in. His pass rush ability sixty eight point one, not bad. Coverage grade sixty eight point two. He's been good in coverage, which we expect that with his athleticism. But playing the run has been been horrible in what brought that grade down. But again, uh, Quay Walker was number two of five, and uh, according to where they took him, if you just Uh, took into consideration PFF's approach, right, to grading these linebackers, then he was the best of those choices. The Packers did make the right call, according to PFF, in drafting him over top of Devin Lloyd, Troy Anderson, and Christian Harris. So that's kind of cool there. Let's uh, check that off the list now. Let's move on to the, uh, the second pick. It was in round one. It was pick 28. And that's def- defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt. Now, this was a little strange because um, I couldn't find Devontae Wyatt on the list of defensive linemen. Okay. And, and just to kind of rattle them off here, you got uh, Jordan Davis, Travis Jones, Kurt Hennish, uh, Marquand McCall. You got, uh, got Ogbanya, um, Horn, Booker, Logan Hall, Zachary Carter, right? Those are the interior defensive linemen that are listed from the 2022 class on PFF. And I was like, well, where's Devontae Wyatt? For whatever reason, he wasn't listed on this list. There may be some kind of qualification. I'm not sure. I don't think it's snaps because when you look at the snap count, the guy who's number one, well, let's see here. They've got one guy on the list at 138 snaps. And we hop over here to um, Devontae Wyatt. He's got 96, so I bet the minimum is 100 snaps. I bet that's what it is. So with that being said, though, 96 snaps, that's quite a few snaps. So let's see how he would stack up, right, against the other defensive linemen who were drafted. Number one's Jordan Davis. We've seen him. He was a freak at the combine. Philly went up and got him. Um, he grades out as a 78.4. The next one is Travis Jones at a 57.1. Well, when you look at Devontae Wyatt's grade, he's a 66.0. So what's that tell you? That means he's the second highest graded defensive lineman in the entire NFL draft from 2022, right? And and it's pretty significant. It's it's significantly higher than the number three spot at a 57.1, seeing that uh, Devontae White is at a 66.0. So that's exciting. So there you see we've got the second best defensive lineman of the draft, according to PFF. I would check that off as a hit, right? Quay Walker at a 55.6, even though, He's graded out higher than the other linebackers available. When you draft someone that high, you're you're not just drafting him because you think he's the best at that position. You're drafting him because you think he's going to be an impact player, and we haven't seen that yet from Quay Walker. I mean, we've seen flashes of it. I don't think he's played. I'm not one of these guys going, all right, we need to bench him. Do I think there should be a rotation occasionally? Probably, you know, because there are other linebackers on the roster grading out a little bit better. And just like any other position, um, you know, with the NFL, when you bring a rookie in, it's okay to let them sit a little bit and let them see how the game play. I mean, it, I, it's what I always credit to Aaron Rodgers' career is the fact that he had to sit behind Favre and learn as we went, right? So, but again, worth mentioning, 
Uh, Devontae White grades out as the second-best defensive lineman in the draft. Uh, I think that's exciting because at a 66.0, I think he's going to improve and he's going to be a solid player, and we're definitely going to need that because we're losing Dean Lowry. We're losing Jaron Reed. Um, you know, we're basically going to have back Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, and uh, and our boy, uh, who is it, uh, Jonathan Ford, right? So um, I was going to wait until – I'm going to wait to the end to kind of sum that up. I want to talk about Devontae White and Kenny Clark. We'll wait to the end. Let's move on to the next pick. Um, second round, the 34th. Uh, overall pick. So this would have been the second pick in the second round. Wide receiver Christian uh, Watson. This is everybody's golden boy right now, right? Everybody's excited about it. And and if you guys follow me on Twitter, I ha- I couldn't help myself. I'm doing a little bit of trolling on Twitter with Vikings fans, just having some fun. I'm really trying to lighten the mood a little bit on Twitter because Packer fans have been, I mean, they've been miserable this year. So I'm trying to be that guy to just kind of cut up a little bit and lighten the mood. There's no sense in everybody walking around upset and angry all the time, right? And I'm kind of a prankster. Um, you, you'll find that out real quick that that I do like to uh, – I just like to cut up. That's just how I am. That's my personality, right? Um, so Christian Watson, uh, first of all, the thing on Twitter that I did was I posted a stat where Christian Watson has played, I think, two fewer games and has more touchdown catches than Justin Jefferson. <laughs> so you you see that and you think this Packer fan thinks that Christian Watson's better than Justin Jefferson. So they've come in by the droves, right? Roast him. I mean, it's hilarious. I'm just sitting back hitting them with gifts and having a good time with it. But it was a, an interesting stat though. It's like, man, he, I mean, he's a touchdown machine. I heard him talking on the pregame this morning on game day morning. They said that, uh, that Christian Watson is like Chris Carter. You know, they're not saying he's a hall of famer. It's like, man, I saw Chris Carter did was, was catch touchdowns. Right. So you're kind of seeing that with Christian Watson, but, um, I think he's got a lot of upside. I'm excited to see what he does. His PFF grade is a 63.3. Now, let's put that into perspective. If you look at the rest of the wide receivers taken in that draft class, um, that ranks him 8 of 12, guys. That's not good, right? Let's let, We need to pump the brakes a little bit. Now, this is according to PFF and him doing exactly what he's supposed to do. And, and I know Ryan's pointed out many times he's been open on routes, right? And it's – like he showed a play where he ran a, a like a corner route and he's wide open and Aaron didn't see him. Okay. Now you look at that play and you think, okay, according to PFF's grading system, what did he do? He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Right. So that's going to be an even grade, a zero, if I remember correctly. Right. Now, how do you get a plus two? That means that you, you go above and beyond on the play. Right. There was nothing there. It's not Christian's fault that he was wide open, but at the same time, he didn't do anything spectacular to warrant a you know much higher elite grade right there, right? And and I would much rather a player do what he did and be in the right spot, right, than to go out there and try to do something outside of the scheme and all that. I get it, but it's just an example of why his grade is kind of where it is. It's a sixty-three point three. I don't think that's horrible for a rookie wide receiver. Now the cool thing is he's getting open, right? And you see the athletic ability, and now he's starting to stay healthy. He's, he's learning how to play the game, right? He's learning how to play uh, to a certain safe aspect to where he's not going to be on the IR all the time. That's very, very important for him. You know, the most important availability, the most important ability, according to Bill Belichick, are availability and accountability. And he seems to have both, right? You just got to fine-tune the skills. And uh, he's learning how to catch the ball a lot better, too. I've seen that here lately. He's making quite a few hands catches. We highlighted a couple um, actually there on the uh, Chalk Talk segment, right? So, um, again, Christian Watson, though, coming in 8 of 12, 63.3. Above him, you got Chris Olave, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, uh, Wondell Robinson, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, and then Christian Watson. He is higher than Alec Pierce 
and David Bell and Tyquan Thornton there with the uh, with the Patriots. But Chris Olave seemed to be um, the uh, in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One of the better wide receivers in this draft, he, Drake London, and Wilson, I had all of those. I'm pretty sure those were my top three receivers. I don't think I have Wondell Robinson high. I definitely had George Pickens up there because, again, I put a lot of stock into Greg Cosell, and Greg Cosell strictly judging the tape. But according to the PFF grade, George Pickens, 63.6, Christian Watson, 63.3. Now, you can argue, well, he's got Aaron Rodgers thrown in the football, granted, with a broken thumb. And you look on the other side, and and who does – uh who does George Pickens have him throwing? Have throwing? You know, have him throwing the ball? Right? Is uh, you know a rookie Kenny Pickens? It was Mitch Trubisky earlier in the year, so it's worth mentioning those stuff. We definitely don't want to leave it out. Um, you know, to mention those things. So Christian Watson, sixty-three point three, eight of twelve. All right, right now I'm leaving that one alone. I don't, I don't check that off like I did Devontae Wyatt. Right? I just don't. I, you know, I, I, I need to, I need to see more. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. I'm not saying he's going to be a great player. Right? He's one thing about it, he showed he's got the physical tools and his hands have gotten better as the year's gone on, right? So that's uh, that's exciting, but the PFF grade kind of suggests to me that we need to pump the brakes just a touch because uh, there's some things that he needs to polish with his game. All right, let's move on to the next one. In the third round, this one hurts bad, guys. This, this infamous uh, third round that always seems to evade uh, the uh, the Green Bay Packers when you're when you're drafting, uh, you know, Drafting and developing, it just seems like we always miss on the third round. We we just cut Amari Rogers, obviously, um, which I I commend the front office. Um, if they cut him because they thought, okay, he's not the player we thought he was, he's not worth it to tie up a roster spot, then I respect him because you've got to admit when you make a mistake, right? Now, I personally would have liked to see more of Amari Rogers at the wide receiver position. It's obvious he couldn't punt return, right? But there's obvious there's another reason too why he wasn't in the lineup to sit here and pretend like I understand 
uh, you know, the evaluation process and exactly how valuable Amari Rogers is better than the front office of the Green Bay Packers is just silly. I'm not going to be one of those podcasters to do that, right? They obviously did not like what they seen on wide receiver, and they thought punt return is his only shot. Now, he should have been pulled a long time ago because I'm telling you right now, Keyshawn Nixon returning punts, I am so much more comfortable with him back there. He just seems fearless. He makes great decisions. He seems to have good hands. Love everything about it. I would like to see them bring Keyshawn Nixon back next year so he can be the punt returner and play special teams. I think that would be very, very important. So um, back to the uh, the third-round pick. Third round, 28th pick of the third round, offensive lineman Sean Ryan. Guys, there's no grade. Like, he is buried on the depth chart. Absolutely buried on the – this is one of those that, you know, there were some people that got really excited about the Sean Ryan pick. They loved the hair. They loved the belly hanging out of the shirt, all that good stuff. He just looked like an offensive lineman, big, mean dude. Guys, there, if he could play with the state of this offensive line in the first half of the season, he would have been on that field, which tells me the coaching staff doesn't think very highly of him. Now – it's he's one year, right? But the fact that he has no grade and hasn't been able to make it on the field tells me they probably think they missed on that one as of right now. They're strictly thinking developmental, okay? So that's a miss there in my opinion. Up next, fourth round, 27th pick, wide receiver Romeo Dobbs. A lot of people getting excited right now, right? You're like, heck yeah, dude, Dobbs is the man. Dobbs had a great, great camp. He showed it on the field in the regular season, all that. For a fourth round pick, I completely agree. But when you look at the grade, he's a 60.6. He's 10 He's 10th of 12 wide receivers that were drafted last year, okay? The only two players that he's higher than is David Bell at a 55.9 and Tyquan Thornton uh, at a 55.3, okay? So we've got to pump the brakes on Dobbs a little bit too, okay? I'm not going to write him off. I'm not going to put a next next to his name, but I'm also just like Christian Watson. I'm, I'm definitely not going to check it off either because um, he, he's got to show more and, and there's going to take time to develop. And I, I think he can be a great receiver, I do, from what I've seen. But right now, according to PFF and the inconsistencies, he, you know, we can't go into next year thinking Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs is a good enough wide receiving core. Guys, you heard me all offseason saying, I don't think we'll miss Devontae Adams. I don't think we'll miss Devontae Adams. I think Alan Lazard could fill that, that void enough. And Randall Cobb and all these guys, I was wrong. Randall's had a great year, you know, don't get me wrong. I hope he hope he comes back for one more year next year if Rodgers doesn't retire. Okay. But to, to sit here and pretend like I, I wasn't wrong. I was completely wrong about the value of a number one receiver. When you look at all of these teams and how well they've played offensively, right? You know, one of the big darlings this year has been Seattle. They're coming back down to earth a little bit, but it's been Seattle, right? As of a few weeks ago, they were number two in points per play. Well, what do they have up there? They've got two number one receivers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. You go to the next darling, the Miami Dolphins, which two of in the running for the MVP, right? They were number seven in points per play. What do they have? Two number one wide receivers in Jalen Waddle and Tariq Hill. In Cincinnati, they were number nine in PPP a couple weeks ago, right? Who do they have? Jamar Chase. Now think about this. Jamar Chase has actually been hurt, right? And he's I think he's getting ready to come back um, from that injury. But again, they have a number one receiver. Minnesota, number 11 PPP, having a great year, right? And we got to give Minnesota credit, guys. Like, if, if a Viking fan comes at me disrespectful, I'm going to dish it back out and I'm going to troll the heck out of them. I get it. But to pretend like the Minnesota Vikings aren't as good as their record suggests is just silly. They are putting it together and they're making plays, right? They're, they're, they're scrapping it together and doing what they got to do to win ball games. You've got to tip your cap to that as much as I hate Viking fans. But a number 11 in PPP, well, guess what? 
They've got one. Some people would suggest they've got two number one receivers in Thielen and, of course, Justin Jefferson, who might arguably be the best wide receiver in the game. So I completely underestimated the value of a number one receiver. I want to say it over and over and over again. I was wrong about that. So we've got to look at this this year and go, okay, Christian Watson, 63.3. He was he wasn't even in the top half, according to PFF, of all the receivers taken in the draft. It doesn't mean he's a bust, but we got to pump the brakes a little bit. We've seen the raw talent, and I'm excited about it. I want to see what he does the rest of the season. That PFF grade may go through the freaking roof, and I'm going to be dancing like a wild man, right? Romeo Dobbs, when he comes back off the IR, I want to see how he finishes the year. Can he get that grade up at a 60.6? We need a number one receiver this offseason. And there's some people right now, and I'm not going to mention the names, that are always negative Nancys, and they're, oh, we've ruined the cap. You're going, well, there ain't no way we can get a number one receiver. Watch. If the Packers want a number one receiver, they'll get it this year. We're going to go into this year, we're probably with minimal restructures, we're going to go into this year with somewhere around 15 to $20 million to spend. That would be my guess. Low end, 10, high end, $20 million to spend. And if you can go out there and get a number one receiver of the future, it's why they were trying to trade for Chase Claypool, which I disagree with. I don't think Chase Claypool is a number one receiver. I don't. They were also trying to go after DJ Moore. I I, I wasn't big on DJ Moore. DJ Moore's PFF grades are right here in the ballpark of Christian Watson's. Okay, when you trade for him, forget the first round uh, compensation that was rumored for them going, you know, being willing to give up for some of these receivers. But when you trade for him, you've got to give him a contract extension. That contract extension is going to be number one wide receiver money to a certain extent, depending on how you structure it. So you've got to really make the decision: is it worth it? Right. And uh, in my opinion, it wasn't for any of those. So use this offseason. I say that because they were willing to trade for a number one receiver and give them a contract extension, but we don't have money. Guys, use your head. For those negative people out there that want to keep screaming that Aaron Rodgers is $50 million against the cap and he's ruined the cap situation, we're not going to have any money to spend, how were they going to go trade for a number one receiver, gang? What? How? You've got to be willing to – Turn the media off for a second and talk and, and think about what's not being said rather than what's being said in the narratives that are being drawn, right? That's just the way I look at it, and it always seems to fall into play. How are they going to pay Devontae Adams? We we offered more money than the Raiders. Where, where was that money at? It's there. It's in simple restructures. And I'm not talking about extreme restructures that the Saints did that set themselves back a few years, right? I'm not talking about that. So. Anyway, we need a we need a number one wide receiver, and uh, it's because I, I feel like those two receivers, Watson and Dobbs, can be good. It's just right now it's going to take a little bit of time to develop, and we'll, I lo- I'm really excited to watch here in the next few weeks see what they do. Let's move on to the fourth-round pick. This was uh, technically the 35th pick of the fourth round because it was a compensatory pick according to the information I had at hand. Zach Tom, 68.7. All right. They've got him listed as an interior offensive line. We know he's played guard and tackle, right? I kind of like him at left left tackle better than left guard. That's just me personally. Um, but a 68.7. Gang, there were 10 interior offensive linemen listed on PFF, okay? 10. And he grades out uh, as, as guards. I'm sorry, 10 guards listed. He grades out as the best guard of all of the offensive linemen that are rookies this year. And you're probably going, okay, well, how's he stack up and tackle against offensive tackles, right? Well, when it comes to offensive tackle, he's graded third highest of 11. 
So to put that into perspective, there were 21 rookie offensive linemen taken outside of the center position, okay? 21, and he grades out as the third best, and we got him in the fourth round. That's a freaking jackpot home run by Brian Gutekunst, especially if he continues to improve. So what's that do? That gets you a rookie contract, a minimum rookie contract for the next you know, four years counting this year, but starting next year, three years, we're going to have Zach Tom on that rookie contract, and he can play left tackle, gang. He can play left tackle. Think about that. When Bach walks away, if it's after this year or the next year, and you plug Zach Tom in at left tackle, if you decide to to, to keep Yash at right tackle, which I think is the best move, seeing that Zach's proven he can play left tackle, guys, that's exciting. You know how much money that's going to save? That's arguably the third most expensive position on the offensive side of the ball across the National Football League. If you looked at every roster and said, okay, on this roster here, who's the most expensive offensive players? It would be quarterback, wide receiver, then probably left tackle or right tackle if you've got a left-handed quarterback like Tua. That you know, you Obviously, you're wanting to protect the blind side. Guys, that's, that's exciting. And people that are, like I said, the negative Nancys that are going, we ain't got no money. Where's this money coming from? There's where your money's coming from. When Bach retires, there's going to be a ton of money freed up in the retirement clauses. And we don't have all that information. Only agents have that information to a T. Anyone who says they have it, they're lying. And if they do, all you got to do is ask them like I do and say, are you 100% sure? And they just get quiet. Okay, so when Bach walks away, we free up a ton of money. Zach Tom plugs and plays at a rookie minimum contract. That's exciting stuff, man. I'm jacked about that. So, Zach Tom was a hit in my opinion, okay? Um, Let's go on to the fifth round, the 36th pick of the fifth round. Again, 36 because it was a compensatory pick. (sighs) Kingsley and Agbare, an Agbar, whatever you want to call him, edge defender. Guys, he grades out as a 70.2. He is the second highest graded edge defender from this last year's draft. You guys know I went nuts on the draft, uh, the live draft show when they took him. He was hands down by far the highest person on my board when they took him, and it was a slam dunk pick. It was like this is a no-brainer to go after him. Now, what's cool is uh, his downside was simply, well, how well does he play the run? Because he played a lot of wide nine and utilized that that advantage there at the college game. What's he going to do you know, in the running game? He's played pretty solid in the running game. I mean, that's that's exciting to me. I mean, when you look at Kingsley and Ibarre, um, He's uh, his defensive grades are seventy point two. It's second only behind Michael Clemens of the Jets, right? His run defense grades are sixty eight point six, pass rush sixty six point six, and then his coverage grades actually a seventy seven point zero. So when we run some of those fire zone blitzes, you see him in coverage. He can actually hold his ground. He's got the athleticism, and he's a, he's a tall, rangy guy. You know, six four two fifty eight. That's exciting, man. Like. That, again, that's a hit, 70.2, the second highest-graded edge defender of this last year in a dra- NFL draft, and there was 14 players taken, okay? And we took him in the fifth round. Once again, our starting edge defenders, right, when, when healthy, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. Preston Smith's contract, I'm going to try to pull it up here real quick while I'm thinking about it. I wanted to get away from this a little bit, but we're going to do it anyway. Next year against the cap, Preston Smith is $13 million towards the cap, and his dead cap is $9.7 million. Okay, why do I mention that? If you were to cut him loose next year, you're going to free up about $3.5 million. Let's go to 2024. Now, I'm not saying we should cut him next year, right? Let him play out this year, next year. Let's get to 2024. When you get to 2024, the cap hit is $14.8 million, and the dead cap is only $7.3. Guys, you can free up seven 
over $7 million in cap space by just cutting Preston Smith in 2024. I'm not suggesting they do that, but it shows you the amount of money that can be restructured as well, right? I mean, you got your base salary of 5.7. That could be converted to signing bonus completely and free up 5.7, and he stays on the roster, right? So there's a lot of things that you can do. Now, let's get back to Kingsley and Igbare. Fifth-round pick, minimum rookie contract. Let's say we do cut Preston Smith loose in two years. Then Enigbare has two more years left on his contract at a minimum cost of the most expensive position on the defensive side of the ball, which is edge defender. So think about that. Rashawn Gary, you extend him. He's got a fifth-year option next year. You extend him beyond that, right? If, if indeed he comes back completely healthy and we're all expecting it to, he's a monster. He's a rehab guru. He's he's one of these guys that he's he's just a gym rat, right? He's a hard worker. He's a heart and soul of that defense. I think Rashawn Gary is going to come back as strong as ever, especially if it was a clean ACL snap, reconstruct that thing, get through the rehab, and and he's going to be fine. It may take it may take a little while, like it did with the offensive line, and you definitely want to play it safe. But you've got Enigbari getting experience in a season that's probably already lost, right? So you're not. It, it's like you gotta, you got to think of the best scenario from the situation when it comes to Rashawn Gary being hurt. Nobody wanted to see him get hurt, especially down the stretch when we were trying to run the table. But when you look at how everything plays out, you're getting in Igbari such important snaps, right? And if he continues to grade out this way, then what you're going to see is you being able to cut Smith or move on from him and free up almost $8 million in cap, and your edge defender that's replacing him is going to be like right at a million bucks in cap hit. Guys, that's freaking crazy. As a matter of fact, I can give you the exact number here in 2024. If we look at the cap hit in 2024, he is way down here somewhere. Let's see. He's not even registering on the list. You know what that means? He's probably not in the top 51. That's wild. So um, just want to double check. Yeah, I don't see him here. So Enigbare is going to be a freaking steal if he continues to, uh, to grow at the level he is. So with that being said, that's another hit. Bam. So that's the third hit of this draft. Um, first one being Devontae Wyatt. Um, second one being offensive line, Zach Tom. Third one being uh, edge defender, Kingsley and Igbari. All right, let's move on to the seventh round. The seventh round, we took uh, Tariq Carpenter, safety slash linebacker hybrid, right? 59.9 is his PFF grade. He grades out fifth um, in a list of eight PFF uh, rookies at the safety position. Um, that right now, you've just got to uh, – uh, granted, it's a seventh round pick, but to me, that's uh, – I'm not going to chalk it up as a miss because it's a seventh-round pick, and he's seen a little bit of playing time here and there. Um, but we'll just kind of leave that one alone. Um, up next, seventh-round pick, defensive lineman Jonathan Ford. No grade. Guys, I get it. They're seventh-round picks, but you want them to contribute somewhat. I would call that a miss at this point right now. That's just me personally. I would say that the Jonathan Ford draft pick um, is a miss simply because he hasn't contributed to the point where he's even got a PFF grade. Okay? So you, if you're on the roster, you should be contributing. And this is – this is where kicking the can down the road with the cash over cap approach uh, kind of shows its, you know, raises its, its weary head. We probably wouldn't have those guys on the roster if we didn't need to capitalize on the rookie contract, the four year contract to fill out the roster. You know what I'm saying? So that that's something where it's okay. Well, we got to have an X amount of defensive linemen. I know that he's he's not one of the best 53 guys on our entire roster. There's guys on the practice squad that are probably better. But if we kick him to the practice squad or we cut him, we lose that four-year rookie contract, and that's something that's very, very valuable. Just like Andrew Brandt said over and over, if you're playing cash over cap when building a roster, you've got to hit on the draft picks. That's the lifeblood of, your, of filling out your roster, and we're just kind of having to eat the bullet there, right? So 
up next, seventh round pick, Rasheed Walker, offensive tackle. Um, again, no grade. You got to chalk that up as a miss right now. You, you want him to be contributing somewhat, although he's buried on the depth chart. Again, he signed up a roster spot because you've got to have enough bodies to fill out that roster playing cash over cap game. you got to cover your rear end. You've got to hold on to those four-year rookie contracts. And then the other seventh-round pick, Samori Torre. I know a lot of people were excited about Samori Torre, and I get it. I really do. I You know, I've I seen – I seen him make the adjustment, and you heard us talk about it on Chalk Talk. Me and Coach Han there several weeks back when he made the uh, adjustment on the scramble drill. Um, when it came to uh, uh, you know Aaron Rodgers having to scramble out of the pocket, and he found Torre for the uh, touchdown. Aaron has spoke very highly of him, but according to PFF, he grades out of the fifty point five. Guys, he wasn't on the list, but if he was on the list, that means he ranked he grades thirteen of thirteen of all rookie wide receivers. Okay. So we got to pump the brakes there. Now, do I have him X'd off as a bust or as a miss in this draft? I don't because why? He's seen significant playing time. He's a seventh-round pick. When I say significant, he's been able to plug in in certain situations. He caught a freaking touchdown pass. I think he made a couple other catches too, right? So he has he has contributed, so I can't write a seventh-round pick off for contributing. The other seventh-round picks, I can, seeing that Jonathan Ford and Rasheed Walker haven't even seen the grass yet. Right. So um, that's kind of how I see that. So I wanted to do that exercise um, because, like I said, we don't have a game today. There's not a post game show. Why not take a little bit of time? You guys are probably, most of you are probably listening to this on Monday and the work day. I want to give you content that you can listen to that wasn't something that you need to listen to in a timely manner. You can kind of pick it up and go, okay, this is how the rookies look so far in 2022. Okay. And again, it's not the tell all end all. It doesn't mean that this is, uh, you know, this. This is all set in stone. These rookies are bust. These rookies are jackpot, you know, golden bonus babies, none of that, right? All it simply means is that these are the players that are contributing. So out of the entire draft, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven draft picks to the best of my knowledge. I have three of them as hits, and I've got the verdict still out on one, two, three, four, five of them. Okay, three hits, five still in the air. And I've got three misses in this year's draft. That's how I see it. Now, like I'd pointed out with Zach Tom, guys, that's that seems to be the darling of the of the draft. He and Enigbare. Now, I know we're excited about Watson. I know we're excited about Dobbs. I know some people are excited about Torre. But for me, the big hits in this draft are Zach Tom, Enigbare, and Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt, we'll get to here in a second. But Zach Tom, again, he's a fourth round pick. He's he grades out as the first rookie of 10 interior offensive linemen. He grades out third of 11 offensive tackle rookies, okay? And he that which makes him third of of 21 rookie offensive linemen outside of the center position. Guys, that is freaking unbelievable to be a fourth round pick. Great job Brian Gudikins on that draft pick. Now, Enigbare, guys, he is Green Bay's highest graded rookie player on this roster. Think about that. Quay Walker, Devontae White, Christian Watson, uh Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, right? All these players that we are all getting excited about going, man, these, these could be great players in the future. Enigbare grades higher than every single one of them. And it is at the top-tier position on the defensive side of the ball. What do I mean by that? I I, I rank uh, positions, both offensive and defensively, in tier in three tiers, okay? The tier, uh, tier one being the most important, obviously. Tier one on offense, quarterback, and left tackle or right tackle if you have a lefty QB. Quarterback and right tackle, top-tier positions on offense. On defense, there's only one top-tier position, in my opinion. 
and that's edge defender. You've got to be able to get after the quarterback off the edge. You've got to push the quarterback off their spot. The great defenses always have great edge defenders. Look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has been a great defense for several years, right? They had T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt goes down with an injury. The defense falls apart, okay? Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. Everybody's gloating over the San Francisco 49ers. What do they have? One of the best edge defenders in Bosa, right? It's it's absolutely huge that you have an edge defender. Our top-graded rookie was drafted at that position on a minimum contract, a minimum style contract, if you will, in the fifth round in Enigbare. That's exciting. That's really, really exciting. So uh, the other one I want to wrap up here with is Devontae Wyatt. You know, a lot of people would look at Devontae Wyatt. He hasn't cracked 100 snaps yet, but the snaps that he's been in, he's been pretty solid. Again, he grades out of the 66.0. He's the highest-graded defensive lineman, right? He's the second highest graded of non-interior defensive linemen in the entire draft, but he's the highest graded defensive lineman on the Packers roster. I'm going to say that again. Devontae Wyatt is the highest graded defensive lineman on the Packers roster. Some of you are going, what about Kenny Clark? He's higher than Kenny Clark. Jaron Reed, man, at times he's played played pretty good, you know, getting to the quarterback. Yeah, he's higher than Jaron Reed. Devontae Wyatt was a hit in this draft. 66.0. Highest-graded defensive lineman in the draft. Now, why do I mention that? Kenny Clark, guys, grades out as a 62.0. Okay, 62.0. Something's off with Kenny. I don't know if trimming down and them trying to get him to play more four technique rather than uh, there within the, the zero to the three. But you've seen him at four technique a lot these last two games. What I mean by four technique, lining up right across from the offensive tackle. Now, a lot of that's because it was passing downs, and they're looking to – push the pocket from the tackle in and allow the edge defenders in Igbari and Preston Smith to wide up, to line up in a wide nine technique, which is outside of the tight end shoulder. If there was a tight end on the field, they're that wide. So you're really attacking the edges with some of these quarterbacks, right? And one of the reasons is because they're playing that that double rat across the middle that Coach Hahn and I talked about on Chalk Talk. They've kind of got on those third downs on the run. He's got to do it up the middle, and you've got double rat protection uh, preventing that scramble. Now, the problem is the secondary is what's been letting us down. That's neither here nor there. I mentioned that because Kenny Clark, something's off with him, right? 62.0 is just crazy. Like, we, we expect him at least in the 70s year in and year out. You know, Ryan's pointed out in the past, he hasn't been, quote-unquote, an elite defensive lineman since Mike Pettin was here, okay? Now, you look at the contract. Next year, 2023, Kenny Clark, $23.9 million against the cap next year, guys. Now, there's $20.8 million in dead cap. If you cut him out right, you're only saving $2 million. That's just silly. You hope he has a bounce-back year. Now, you look at his base salary of $13 million, there's a lot of room there to be able to restructure and be able to, uh, to, to you know, move some money around to free up some cap space. He's one of the top three. Really what you have there next year is uh, to being able to maneuver, maneuver some money around is David Bakhtiari, if he doesn't retire, uh, Kenny Clark, and Aaron Jones. With Aaron Jones, there's going to be a restructure. I think he'll be back. He's our best player, right? If you cut Aaron Jones outright, you free up almost $11 million. But I, th- I personally want Aaron Jones on this roster. He is, I think he's a top three running back in the entire National Football League, and you don't just cut talent like that loose, right? But again, Kenny Clark underperforming. So when we get to 2024, what does Kenny Clark's um, cap hit look like? Let's take a look here. 2024, 
He's on the books for $24.7 million towards the cap, dead cap only 13.1. Put that in perspective. If you cut Kenny Clark loose in 2024, you're freeing up $11 million in cap space. He's got a 15.5 base salary, according to Spotrack. A lot of, a lot of room to maneuver there, right? I'm not saying we want to get rid of him, but there's some space to move around. But I mention that because if indeed he does fall off a cliff and he gets even worse next year and he grades out in the 50s, right, we can cut him loose, you know, depending on certain, uh, you know, June deadlines and free up a ton of cap. And it's important that Devontae Wyatt pans out. So it's exciting to see that Devontae Wyatt, according to PFF, is already outplaying Kenny Clark this year. Guys, that's exciting. That's a hit, right? Now, I'm not saying you need to stop there. You got to keep bolstering that roster. You got to go out and find another defensive lineman. What I'm doing this offseason, I'm trying to find an interior, uh, an interior defensive lineman that can fill Kenny Clark's void, or at least help fill that void in 2024 if we decide to move on from him, because he is underperforming right now. That's just one of the points I wanted to wrap up with there. I love Kenny Clark. I want him to pan out, but right now you've got to look at what you've seen on the field. The run defense grades for this Packers defense has been horrible. Kenny Clark's one of the reasons. Okay, it is. What it is. You've got to call it. Just like Greg Cosell says, if you see it, you got to say it, regardless of your bias. And I'm as big a Kenny Clark fan as anyone. So again, just wanted to kind of take take a second here and lay this stuff out for you guys, give you a podcast to kind of get you some information, something that's a little bit useful. Um, you probably disagree with a lot of what I said. That's totally cool, but at least I brung you the numbers so you can kind of make your own judgment. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up in the email. And let me know what you think about what we talked about. T- tell me if you agree or disagree with those hits and misses. You know, like, again, I said, Devontae Wyatt hit, offensive lineman uh, Zach Tom hit, Kingsley and Igbare hit, and then – the jury's still out on Quay Walker, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Tariq Carpenter, and Samori Torre. The misses, in my opinion, bad miss too. Sean Ryan at that third-round pick, absolutely horrible. You can't even get him near near the field with such a bad offensive line at times here early in the season. It seems to settle down now. I think we finally found our, our groove. And then uh, Jonathan Ford at defensive lineman and offensive lineman Rasheed Walker, I would call misses too. So, with that being said, we're going to get out of here. I really appreciate your time. Um, thanks, Thank you guys for taking the time to hang out. Hope you guys have an awesome uh, Sunday slate of games here. Let's just sit back pressure-free and watch some football, right? You ain't got to worry about the Packers winning or losing today, and that's always a blessing. And um, if you're listening to this on the podcast on Monday, hope you guys have a great work day. Stay warm out there. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.